Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Couch Potato Diary. I'm Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading and listening today. If you have any comments on the show you're about to listen to, you can send them my way on Twitter. I'm at PrimetimeKlein. Th- uh, same thing goes for Instagram, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can also email the show, couchpotatodiary at Yahoo. If you want to find who's producing the music for today, Tommy Fresh Music on Instagram is where you will find him with Wasted Talent. X is where the A's would be. Also, help the Calgary boys out. They have a new uh, new song coming out, Drowning. Pre-save it on Spotify right now. It helps them out a lot. Uh, You can find the link on Tommy Fresh's Instagram, again, at Tommy Fresh Music. A couple of things to get to on the show today. Steve Claggett, Calgary boxer fighting in Quebec City this weekend. We'll be stopping by to talk about that very important rematch and the difficulties of fighting during a pandemic. This is the second time he's going to be trying that out uh, as we have a, a very combat sports heavy week. We had Michael Short breaking down Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders on Monday. We got Steve Claggett today hoping to get another boxer for Friday's show, but also on Friday, UFC breakdowns and a breakdown of WWE WrestleMania Backlash. So we will be doing all of that as the week goes along. Um, Do want to mention off the top of the show, today, the day that we are recording this, is the two-year anniversary of Kawhi Leonard's shot against the Philadelphia 76ers, which is crazy that that was Game 7 of the second round, and... On today, May 12th, we're still playing regular season games because the world is screwed up. But anyway, have a few thoughts on that. Going to be doing a Twitter space with Lucas Meyer and Julian McKenzie tonight. So that's going to be where a lot of those thoughts are going. So tune into that. 6.30 Mountain Time is the start time for that. If you've been on sports Twitter at any point today, you will know today is also NFL schedule release day. And if there is a better example of how the NFL just owns the sports world, I cannot think of one. Because the NFL schedule has turned into a grand day. There are leaks coming out today before ESPN and the NFL Network. NFL Network makes sense. It's kind of, what the fuck else are they going to talk about? But they both have schedule release programming in prime time tonight while there are playoff races going on in the NBA. We already know who these teams are going to play. It is set in stone. This isn't some magical, oh, are the Buccaneers going to play the Patriots this year? Ah, we know. We know they're going to play them this year. That's how the schedule breaks down. They have a set algorithm for who is going to play who. We are just finding out which slot they're going to play in, and everyone loses their damn minds over it. It's incredible. This is the greatest bit of sports marketing I have ever seen in my entire time watching sports, which is a bunch. It's a schedule. Like, there's there's nothing new coming out aside from which Sunday or maybe... Hmm? A Monday? These teams are going to be playing on. That's it! We already know. We already know the Bucks and Patriots are going to play this year. We already know that the, the Bucks are going to be playing the Dallas Cowboys, and now we know it's going to be on the first night of the season. So, if you were on the fence as a Bucks fan about going to the celebratory game for the Super Bowl, now you know it's locked in because it's the Cowboys. Get the fuck out of here with that! It, it is... 
the best example that the NFL just completely owns the sports world. But it's also the, one of the best examples that all that bullshit about, oh, well, the NFL's dying, look at this, focus too much on that their social justice stuff, and now everyone's tuning out of the NFL. So I did even the most remote amount of research and found that this dying NFL in 2019 had four of the top five most watched TV shows in prime time and this dying league choked out in 2020 the top six most watched shows in prime time. So if anyone, and I do mean anyone, tries to tell you that, oh, well, look at the TV ratings, the NFL, NFL slipping, it's because of all that social justice stuff, and it's because uh, four out of 53 guys on a sideline aren't standing at attention for a national anthem that wasn't even televised until two years ago. They're just looking for a problem, and they're, they're just trying to find something to justify this belief that they have, because it's just simply not true. Yeah, ratings are down for fucking everything. I worked for a sports media company, and I don't even have cable. Signed up for Sportsnet Now and TSN Direct and all those other things, but no, no cable. So yeah, of course it's down. There are a billion different ways to watch it all now, and the NFL is one of the best at capitalizing on, on all of that stuff. They have a streaming deal with Amazon, for God's sake. Like, we, we need to stop pretending because an antiquated system of measuring the popularity of a league that was barely feasible to use 15 years ago is telling you that ratings are down. A, you don't know what you're looking at anyway, so shut the fuck up. But also, it's not because of anything social justice or anything like that. It's because less people are watching television. Go on social media, go to any sports station anywhere, and you tell me the NFL is dying, because that is just simply not true. Moving to the National Hockey League, and I think that there is a delicious bit of irony coming up over the next week, as the Calgary Flames are going to be taking on the Vancouver Canucks in four games that I, on this podcast, on May 12th in the year of our Lord, 2021, am announcing as the four least relevant games in the history of the National Hockey League. They are going to be playing games that have zero implications on anything, because neither team was really bad enough to be tanking this year, and neither team was good enough to be within striking distance of a playoff spot with four to five games left. And they're going to be playing these while playoff games are happening. And the reason I think this is ironic is because I think the Canucks and the Flames are maybe the... Philadelphia would be up there, but at least on the podium for most interesting teams going into the offseason. The Canucks should have fired their GM a long time ago, have one of the best coaches in the league, not under contract because of said stupid GM, and have two of the top players in the league, not under contract for next year. So, I find the Canucks interesting. And from a Calgary Flames perspective, a team that probably should have blown things up two years ago, but couldn't because, or uh, two off-seasons ago, sorry, but couldn't because the world tipped on its head and no one was spending any money and no one was doing anything because we didn't know what the hell we were looking at, now comes off of a miserable ceiling, uh, season where they were probably the most disappointing team in the National Hockey League. You have a GM who's on like his 19th coach, a star player who, uh, aside from... 
one playoff run when he was super young and there wasn't a whole lot of expectations on him, hasn't really done anything when the games matter the most, and just a, a team and a setup that seems destined to fail because they failed an awful lot. They're going into the offseason with a ton of questions, so I, I, I do think that the Canucks and the Flames are just incredibly interesting as we go into this offseason, but... I don't know, like, we, we might do a drinking game for a couple of these just to keep it interesting. It It's going to be fun because there's going to be afternoon hockey on a couple of these days, but just, I get, there are TV contracts that require a certain amount of games, and the NHL's got to make that money because they haven't been making it in other ways with barely any fans in the stands at any point this season, but holy hell, just let these guys hit the offseason a little bit early. If it costs you a couple bucks, it costs you a couple bucks. This is... The, the PR hit, I, I don't know if it's a PR hit, but just having such irrelevant games on while you have the best thing in... So the Stanley Cup playoffs are what this league hangs its hat on. This is what they... Like, look, this is the toughest tournament. The Stanley Cup is the toughest trophy to win in all of sports because of the grind that you have to go through. 82 games when the season is right. And then four difficult rounds of the hardest hockey you will play all season and while that's going on you're gonna see barely ahl players playing on that channel like i i just don't understand are, are their tv ratings going to be so good for sportsnet that they need to play these games it, it's just it is laughable that they are playing these games while playoff games are going to be happening but this will be the last time we aren't interested by the Canucks and the Flames because this offseason, I think, is going to be a, a real fork in the road type of a thing for both of them. All right, that is my NHL and NFL rants for the day. Coming up, after I tell you about music, you'll hear from Steve Claggett, Calgary boxer who's looking for a big win coming up this weekend. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And you can find their producer at Tommy Fresh Music. They have a new song coming out, Drowning. Pre-save it on Spotify now. Coming up this weekend in Quebec City, it is Steve Claggett against Matthew Germain. You can watch the fight on punchinggrace.com. Very pleased to be joined by Steve Claggett now. Steve, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Peter. It's good to see you, bud. Yeah, good to see you too. Um, you, you've been seeing um, a few more people during the, this pandemic than others would have with training camps and, and things changing or whatever. But let, let's get into how the, the pandemic has maybe affected things with training camps you've already fought once during a pandemic how different is pandemic training camp life to regular training camp life it's quiet it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely quiet there's not a lot of people in the gym and with the rules changing you know i had a couple of weeks when there was a lot of people back in the gym or a few people back. i wouldn't say a lot but a couple of people back in but now it's back to only the professionals in the city can train during these times. So it's been a lot of isolated individual work, which is not the best, not the worst, because right. if you know how to use it, it's good. 
Yeah. Um, how do you think already having gone through, maybe not something exactly like this, like you said, like regulations changed during your training camp, but right. um, how did already fighting during the pandemic kind of help you out for this training camp? Well, I know what I'm looking at. You yeah. know, and then I, if I fought there before, so the big thing fighting in isolation is the fact that there's no crowd. And to me, honestly, it hasn't been a problem because two things, I guess. One is the fact that I, I've had a lot of hard sparring matches in the States. And when I've traveled in my boxing life, I've had a lot of gym fights, you could call them. And okay. there's never a crowd for that. But then, um, I mean, nowadays it's starting to change because I've signed with Eye of the Tiger and I'm, I, and I'm fighting out in Quebec frequently. Mm -hmm. But in the past, when the crowd was there, usually they're not on my side. So <laughs> it, it, like the, the absence of the booze and the yelling and all that, eh, you know, it's not too bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Feeling, feeling a little less hate this time. That, that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Hey? Yeah. But that being said, now, now I'm starting to win some fans over there. So it's okay. looking good. Nice. Yeah. So uh, a big turn in the, the crowd support the next time we're allowed to have full uh, arenas. Hey. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Nice. Uh, you mentioned signing with, with Eye of the Tiger and now uh, a few more fights over in Quebec. What was the, the decision-making in, I guess, the, the decision-making process in that? Well, Eye of the Tiger is definitely the biggest and best in the country. And they have a world title holder in David Lemieux. And they have a full roster of really hungry up-and-coming fighters. And I know that my promoter himself Camille Esteban is looking to make more world champions so for me that's pretty much you know that was the answer right there because that's my goal that's my ultimate goal and that's what I've been working for for so long and so to work with a, a company a promoter like I the Tiger who already has the connections to get me there and the means to do it like it was almost a no-brainer I had to now, this fight, um, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a rematch that you're going into, yes? Yeah, it's a rematch against G-Time, somebody who I had a draw with two years right. ago. Yeah, and so that, I always find rematches from draws so fascinating because there isn't, like with a winner and a loser, the loser knows what they can work on and all of these things. And like, there's a different dynamic. With a draw, it's kind of just you guys are picking up where you left off. Um, right. So how, how is the, the mentality, I guess, going into a, a rematch compared to a, a fresh opponent? Uh, there's, there, there's things that, you know, so you, you've, you've seen the guy before, so you can kind of remember like the style or like, I'd say the speed and the power because people always change the game plan, but they can't necessarily change who they are as like a physical being. He's going to be right. the same height that he was you know, he's <laughs> not growing, and we're fighting at the same weight. So, I mean, in that regard, we're fighting the same guy, but the fact is he's going to be hungry and he's going to want this just as much as I want this, maybe a little bit less <laughs> because I want it pretty bad. But um, it, it just gives me a lot of game plan, a lot of notes and a lot of mm -hmm. study material to use. So I see it as a, as a big uh, plus really, because I already know what I'm looking at and I already know what I'm getting ready to prepare, uh, preparing for. So I am, um, I'm very obsessive with my, my studying and my, my research and my notes. Okay. So having someone that I've already fought, I can really break it down because not only do I have footage of him, but I have footage of him against myself. 
Right. So, you know, it's like, oh, I should have done this. I should alter this. I should work on this. So it, it brings a lot more to the table because we're both showing up with a full game plan. But um, it, it doesn't really doesn't really change the fact. The only thing that matters is what goes on when the bell rings. So right. we'll see who's hungrier on the night. When you're going in, just focusing on you for a second, when you go into to one of these fights, like you talk about, there are certain things you can't change. Is it a tough balance to walk where you don't want to show him the same thing that he just saw for a, a large amount of time, but you also don't want to go, like, you're not going to all of a sudden be, like you said, not tall or not, like you're not going to all of a sudden fight from a different stance and start doing cartwheels or anything like that. Like, how, right. how, how do you balance trying to mix things up a little bit, but not getting too far away from what makes you successful as a fighter? Well, I think a big piece to boxing is the ability to be adaptable. So I prepare for all of these things and prepare for this opponent and I prepare for his style and his, his reach and, you know, he's right-handed. So I know these things, but at the same time, I'm aware that he could bring a totally different game plan than last time. So my objective is not so much about, you know, exact details about what's going to happen, but I plan and prepare to get myself at, well, I've gotten myself in the best shape that I can possibly be in. And I've gotten my mind ready where no matter what happens, I know that I can, I can go on, I can go with the flow. If something right. goes out, of, if something goes wrong, I got an answer. If something goes right, I know how to, to add pressure to it. So it's just about being adaptable. And then there's a saying in boxing, they say a true champion can adapt to anything. And I believe that when you're fully prepared and you're ready to go and your mind is right, you're ready for anything. So in this sense, I'm prepared mentally, physically, and I'm ready to make the, the changes needed on the fly in the right. fight. Now, you said before you like to, to break down your opponents quite meticulously when you are going into these bouts. Um, is that like a film study thing? Like you like to go back and watch their fights or what? I guess you don't have to give too much away, but what, what does go into that kind of a breakdown? Well, you watch tape. You watch lots of tape on them. And then myself, I watch training footage. Or okay. I watch, yeah, and I watch, you know, I even watch his trainer. How does he interact with his trainer during the fight? How does he interact with his corner during the fight? Um, but I just have to be my best self. Right. You know, that's that's pretty much the bottom line. You're just your best self. And then, yes, you plan for, I say, habitual flaws, something that he does every time. Because anyone can make a mistake in the fight. But to train for that is not necessarily the best idea because people will they'll adjust. You know, they'll adjust their style. They can bounce back. They can do better. But habits are habits. And when you're doing it every fight for now, Matthew Germain has um, 22, uh, 21 or 22 professional fights. And when you've been doing the same thing, 21 fights in a row, it's looking like you're going to do it again. And I'm not talking about, oh, he pulled out one time with his hand down. I'm saying when he stands like this, his frame's like this, he looks like that. So I prepare right. for the stature more okay. than I prepare for. The mind's got to be adaptable, but the body's got to be in the best shape that you can be in. And then you plan for him to be at his very best with what, like, you know, whatever he can do, I'm planning for his best. Yeah. Um, with it being a rematch, like, do you keep the notes from the last time and just, oh, I know all of this? Or, like, you, I guess that allows you to look at a, a couple of things a little bit differently, having already gone through this process with him once before? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because 
we know each other we yeah. fought each other so there's there's lots already out on the table but then the 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 game's kind of uh, about who can outwit the other right so don't be surprised if you see a lot, lot of new stuff come out from my side and i won't be surprised if i see a lot of new stuff come out from his side too yeah so again it's just about being just being the best shape that you can be in both yeah. mentally and physically and then when you show up there you're ready to go and make the changes on the fly and it's just um that I, I know that my machine's the best that it can be to do the job. And I know that my mind's ready to do whatever it takes. So nice. this is where I, this is where I stand here. I would imagine the mental side of things were challenged because uh, if I'm not mistaken, this fight was scheduled to be last month and then gets pushed to, to this month. And yeah. it, again, if I'm not mistaken, that that change came kind of last minute. Like it, it was it wasn't like the week of the fight, but it wasn't too far removed from that. How yeah. does uh, a change like that affect things? Well, I think it affects you if you allow it to affect you. Right. So myself, I just saw it as another couple of weeks of training camp. You know, I, I just... I was already on a roll then. So yeah. if I got an extra month to put on and put in even more work in the gym and work on my stuff even more, I see it as a, a bonus really, because now I've got, I mean, I've been training all year for this fight and that yeah. now I got it all year in a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? So right. it's a, it's a, it's a plus. I see it as a plus, not as a negative. Um, I guess last one for you, this is, um, like I said before, your, your second fight during the pandemic, but, but also just the, the second time you fought since 2019 and you, you strike yeah. me as someone who would like to be a bit more active than that. Um, you, you have built up some momentum now. How, how do you keep that momentum going when you're not fighting as often as you would like to be? Well, it's an, it's an internal job. That's something that I always tell my my amateur fighters, all the, the, the guys at my gym and stuff, I tell them it's an internal job. It's not an external job. So if I get better, I will be better. And if I let the outside or the changing of the schedule kind of uh, alter my focus, then I'll fall off. But if I'm always striving to constantly improve, the more time that goes by, actually, the better I'll be. Mm. So I just see it as more time to grow. And um, if they, if, I mean, it's, it's happening now. So we're, we're already locked in. Right. But if, if in the future, something like this happened again, I've kind of had to deal with these ups and downs my whole boxing career. I, I've, I've been the B side before. I've been the A side, which is where you're signed by the promoter. The B side being when you fight somebody else on their promoter's show and Usually that means that you're not getting not getting the the fans and you're not necessarily the favorite. Right. So the ability again to be adaptable, I think it's everything, but it's an internal job. My mind's yeah. right. So I'm not it doesn't matter if the world flipped upside down, which it kind of has. Yeah. I've been I've been yeah, right. I've been training hard though, and I know I'm if you get better, you'll be better. So all this time has been built up and um, the extra time was even more preparation time. So I used it well. And I'm very, I'm really happy about it because the ups and downs of my career have kind of taught me that. And then I knew what to do when this came up again. So it's been a good camp for me, a really good camp. Uh, before we let you go, um, the training camp, the boxing can be a solo sport because you're in there alone, punching someone else in the face, but it takes a team to get a fighter ready. Um, I, I would imagine there's a couple of thank yous I'd like to get out there before we let you go. 
Hey, I just want to say thank you to everyone at Legacy Boxing Club in Calgary. I want to say thank you to everyone at Olympus Boxing Club, uh, Boxing Club in Calgary. And I want to say thank you to all my friends, all everyone who supports me because this is my city and I've had a lot of, you know, of a lot of experience in this game and my city's always had my back. In Calgary, you know, we haven't always had the biggest boxing scene, but we're starting to grow. Yep. And having people behind me gives me the fire to go and do it. So I just want to say thank you to Calgary because uh, I, I believe that this is, it's coming around where I can bring a world title home and there's nobody that I'd rather do it for than the city that I grew up in. Well, and the city's looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of people, as you said, have your back. Looking forward to seeing the fight coming up this weekend. Steve, uh, I've taken up way too much of your time for a fight week. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll, we'll chat with a victorious Steve Claggett after the fight is done, okay? It's great to see you. So there you go, Steve Claggett. Uh, catch him coming up on the 15th of May. That is this Saturday. Uh, you can find the fight over on punchinggrace.com as he fights Matthew Germain in a rematch. That is going to do it for the program today. Thank you very much for downloading. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PrimetimeKline. Tonight on Twitter, it is myself, Lucas Meyer, Julian McKenzie. We are doing a Twitter space talking about clutch shots in NBA history. It is the two-year anniversary of Kawhi Leonard and the shot against the Philadelphia 76ers. So tune in for that. going to be a lot of fun basketball talk with Lucas and with Julian. You can also find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. If you want more on the music that you are hearing right now, you can find Wasted Talent on Instagram at W-X-S-T-E-D. T-X-L-E-N-T. They have a new song coming out on Spotify, Drowning. Pre-save it now. Helps the boys out a lot. If you want more from me, podcast, We Had No Idea, a general history show. This week, we looked at the Oklahoma City bombing with a bonus episode on Ruby Ridge and Waco because I hate being happy. Uh, you can find that show on Instagram at We Had No Idea podcast. Coming up on Friday, UFC 262 preview. WWE preview. It is a busy weekend, and you can catch all the coverage here on Couch Potato Diary. We're out.